people pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. a genre alive today that has survived 90 years of evolution, causing people to live in fear. Hollywood has created a monster and given it the name Sharksploitation. It's because of Jaws. Shark craze which has gripped America. Suddenly society developed this massive fear of sharks. Sharkmania. Movie that made a hundred million dollars and everybody wanted some of that. Our focus was creating a shark. We weren't thinking about what it was going to do to the future. Great whites. Man-eater. Deep blue sea. Sharktopus. Sharknado. The shallows. The Meg. Sharks were everywhere. You watch shark movies, you watch shark documentaries. This creature is a Hollywood celebrity. The shark is a natural monster in the ocean. Why we are scared when we're standing in three feet of water at the shore. Sharks. It ignites something in us that makes us feel alive. Sharksploitation. Stream now on Shudder. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. I'm your host, Mike White. On this episode, I'm talking with our old friend, Steven Scarlatta. Talked to him a long time ago about Hodorowski's Dune. He's been on the show several times, including on our wonderful Hudson Hawk episode. Now he's back talking about his latest film, his directorial debut, Sharksploitation. The film is a terrific look at the sharksploitation movement subgenre, whatever you want to call it, within film. Predates Jaws, but Jaws was definitely an influence on both it and on Mr. Scarlatta. Sharksploitation is currently streaming on Shudder. I highly recommend that you check it out. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, we've got this interview. Hope you enjoy it. I didn't realize that this was your first directing gig. Yeah, first directing gig, mostly produced and stuff like that. So I got burned out with producing, and then I was just like, you know, I guess it's time. Because I do a lot of the research in all my projects anyways. And plus, those are personal projects, so it was like I had to do it. But yeah, I'm happy it's getting a nice response. So the first thing I directed is getting a good response. I'm very... Whew. What's your history with sharks and shark exploitation? It's Jaws, of course. I always say it cursed me to want to become a filmmaker. And it got me obsessed with sharks. After Jaws came out, I couldn't stop drawing sharks in elementary school. And every time I went to the library, shark books, all that stuff. I think a lot of people had the same impact with Jaws. But the thing with Jaws, it was like a drug where I had to keep chasing that dragon of every shark movie I could catch on television. I had a watch and going through the TV guide and seeing, oh shit, up from the depths is going to be on at 11 o'clock on channel nine on Saturday. And then I was just chasing that, that dragon, which you're never able to catch because Jaws is to me perfect and my favorite movie ever. How old were you when you saw it? I saw it in the theaters a few times, but I believe I saw it during the re-release because you remember back in the day, a movie before I came on HBO, and before HBO was like really popular, movies would just get 
re-released all the time for people to go back and watch them because just the way it was, it wasn't on TV yet. I saw it a few times during of its re-releases. And my dad was a Navy guy, so he would drive home from work and be like, let's go see Jaws. And we go to the theater and just pick it up from any point in the movie. I grew up with it, like huge impact. So, but sharks, yeah, I just had to keep watching shark movies. Anything with a shark in it. There was a TV ad. There was going to be a shark episode. I'm watching it. Anything aquatic, horror also, I had to watch. I think we must be somewhere right around the same age because there was a lot of things inside of shark exploitation that just spoke to me so much. The whole idea of Mr. Jaws and like how sharks infiltrated television and just how they were everywhere for so long. I love that you use the timeline in your documentary. What's that tail off from Jaws to like where there weren't shark movies for a little while. It had to have been at least five, six years where there were tons of shark movies. The timeline was the idea of one of my producers, Carrie Dignam Roy. And that was, it was a great idea. And I got to just give her props for that. And the timeline was from my Excel sheet of every shark movie. I believe I have them all in here. Could be a chance I'm missing like a bizarre one or something, but this is a, Deep dive Excel sheets. So you're saying, yeah, so Jaws of Revenge comes out summer 87. And then the next th- theatrical ones in 1999, Deep Blue Sea. But between Jaws of Revenge and Deep Blue Sea, we got Night of the Sharks, Treat Williams movie. That seems like up your alley, that one. And then you got a couple of aquatic horror movies like The Evil Below. And then there's Deep Blood in 1990, which doesn't have like really any shark it's like stock footage of a shark a movie called frenzy directed by ray carter jr is in 1990 and then we had the books come out beast came out peter benchley's book white shark came out peter benchley's book and then the meg book came out yeah and another meg book called extinct came out and they try to make that into a tv movie and then yeah and then you get deep blue sea in 1999 it was a long way to get to deep blue sea like i'll never forget I think it was in the Entertainment Weekly. It was a preview of the summer movies. And that was the first time I heard of Deep Blue Sea. And I said, I was like, holy shit, there's a shark movie coming out. I can't tell you how excited I was with that one. And I'm just sitting there watching the clips going, <laughs> he's got to use the clip of Sam Jackson. Yeah, he, had to. he has to do it. He has to do it. It is. It's incredible. It really is, right? If the effects don't hold up as much, but that was such an incredible theatrical experience with that happening. Millennium Films, or what they called New Image, then they started cranking out all these shark movies for video. And after Deep Blue Sea, it just either became it's a Deep Blue Sea ripoff, where they're in some underwater laboratory and dealing with the fish, or it's a straight up Jaws ripoff where they're coming to the shore. But there were movies like, what is that one? Blue Demon. That was about scientists playing computer chips into the brains of cgi sharks and then they terrorize people so i guess yeah still deep blue sea influenced that's weird too because you've got that almost offshoot of leviathan what was the one with jacqueline Bissett and her amazing t-shirt and the deep sphere goes along those lines but it's not sharks but it's like other terrors from the deep and i know that again those were so influenced by jaws was it 1989 it was like this insane aquatic horror year. Yeah, Deep Star Six came out. Then I think Leviathan came out. Then Roger Corman's Lords of the Deep came out. And this was all gearing up for the abyss that was coming out in, 
I think it came out August of this. I can be wrong, but all these underwater, aquatic, somewhat horror films <laughs> all beat the abyss but i love those movies that was an exciting year 1989 even though there's no sharks actually if you do you ever read the script to leviathan i have not no there is a cool sequence at the ending of the script of leviathan that that they're dealing with sharks and they're dealing with the monster it's pretty badass actually tell me more about the origin of shark exploitation as far as for you when did you decide hey I know enough about this subject. It's something I've been obsessed with for years. I'm going to make a documentary about it. I think first I was kicking around maybe a book, but I'm dyslexic and I know that's not going to happen. It was definitely around the time during Jorowski's Dune where I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And then I started, then vision it as a documentary. And then I would start an outline and then I would stop. I would start an outline and then I would stop because... I just didn't want to make a movie that's beginning to end shark movies and shark movie clips and making ofs because you're just, I don't know. To me, when Jorowski's Dune came out, people loved him and how he wasn't bitter about it. And it influenced artists that were watching the movie. It was the way he thought about the failure and people loved that. And that was like this B story hook that just started happening when we we're editing that movie. And so with this one, I immediately knew I need a B story hook. I can't just go shooting and doing shark stuff without the hook. And then that's when I figured out the Peter Benchley angle that he has to be the heart of the story. Then it was probably right after Jorowski's doing, trying to figure out what to do next. And then that's when the outlining got more and more intense. And then I met up with Josh Miller, who is the producer on this, who I do my podcast with best movies never made. And we were talking about for a second there again about doing a book on it because now I've helped with it. But then it just became, you know what, I'm going to do a documentary on it. And Josh was in and then my cinematographer, Jim Coons was in, couldn't have not made it about Jim Coons. And then like I brought up earlier, Carrie Dignam Roy, awesome producer. And we had a good editor, Patrick Huber. And Jim told me we were shooting the novelization doc and I was on a long road trip and he was like, he kept hearing me talk about the shark documentary I want to make. And then he just said, dude, if there's time on my schedule and you can line up interviews, just do it. And then that's thanks to him. That's how I was able to do it because he's like a sound, he does sound and he's a cinematographer. And then it all just started coming together. And I, I made this insane shark movie list on Excel. And so I started to highlight like in green, what the most important movies are that we should definitely cover. And then another color for like B tier that could be great to talk about. And then C level, this would just be fun to pepper in if I can, stuff like that. And we began and man, if I would have known we we're going to be shooting over 35 interview, would have probably second guessed it, but I was just way too deep at that time. And it ties into your podcast because you talk about Jaws Three People Zero, which is one of the greatest movies never made ever. Yeah. God man, I wanted to cover it so bad in this. And we were so lucky to get Maddie Simmons. He was so nice and he was cool. And then because we got Joe Dante for Piranha, it was just bonus to get him talking about Jaws Three People Zero. So that just came together. And I guess it, it makes sense in the movie because it's part of the whole Jaws cycle. Yeah, which is again these nice milestones that you've got. But yeah, talking about that B story of Benchley and then having all of those oceanographers talking about real sharks and what it's like to be an oceanographer. They're not all dressed in denim from head to toe like Matt Hooper. 
<laughs> yeah, they were really cool. I was very lucky in, to get them. I spent extra time writing those letters <laughs> because the other thing was, is that I ended up doing, it was sneaky. I don't like doing it, but I, had, I tried to hide the title of the movie away from them just because I didn't want them to think I was doing something exploitive. Even though shark exploitation, it's the genre, and they were exploited. It's shark exploit. I think it's like a dual title, and I didn't want to get to the point of trying to explain that to them. If they saw the title and was completely turned off, so they didn't see the title until they were signing their release. But they were all cool about it. And I was very lucky they trusted me. None of them seen Jorowski's Dune because I can point certain filmmakers to Jorowski's Dune. Watch that, and that's what I want to do. Not exploiting artists. It's just telling the story. I'm not about. But they were great. The marine biologists were awesome. And when you have to ask a marine biologist about a megalodon, the expression on their faces is always priceless. You're like, really? I have to talk about a megalodon? One of the guys just was like, yeah. I felt so bad. I'm like, yeah, we have to. I was lucky. Vicky Vasquez likes shark movies. And then so she was great. And so is David Schiffman. He loves shark movies. So Greg Stone doesn't watch any of that stuff, but. But he was best friends with Peter Benchley. But getting two marine biologists that loved shark movies was gold because they were happy to talk about it. And there was still a little, if you brought up megalodons in real life, can they still, but still, they were great, such great spirit and very supportive. They were, and yeah, definitely needed that because I just knew I'm doing a genre documentary and I have to make sure it's a good genre documentary to touch on stuff that people are not going to expect. Because when I've been doing all the social media, I'm throwing out there a lot of wacky shark movies. But when they sit down and watch it, I hope I want to throw them off that they're getting something a little bit more impactful. And it took, yeah, a lot of outlining. I had these two boards up on my wall in front of me. One was the whole history of sharks on the left. And then on the right was all the subcategories. And I literally had fucking yarn from one thing to the other. I looked like a crazy FBI profiler. And my poor producer, Carrie... And Patrick, my editor, what they had, because yeah, every two minutes it was like, no, we got to fit this in. This is important. And then it just came to a point of, you can't fit everything in. We have to keep it under two hours. But that was the hardest part, <laughs> was doing all that, was just keeping it in at a doable length. What were some of the things that fell on the cutting room floor? I want to go into more Chinese movies. I wanted to end with but i just didn't get time shark knight 3d unfortunately which kills me i wanted to really touch on that because it has a whole angle with discovery channel and shark week but i just it's like when a flow of a when a flow is going and you try to insert stuff just to put it in there it can totally disrupt everything it's it's hard and we tried so hard to keep that in we wanted a bigger section on the man versus shark scene from zombie but I couldn't really find a lot of people. It was also hard because we had this fast post schedule and you're really trying to find certain people and scheduling wasn't lining up and it just happens. It's a part of when I did Jarowski's Dune, it was like we submitted to Cannes, we didn't get in. We submitted to Sundance, we didn't get in. And then next Cannes, we got in. I didn't have that type of editing schedule. This was like, it has to be done. I mean, I had a couple of months to squeeze 90 years of shark history. And so I'm just very thankful that people like it and it, it got finished. <laughs> so very thankful. I was really glad to see that old Edward G. Robinson movie in there because I had heard about that one. And I don't think I 
made it through that one. It was a little tough. Some of these are tough to watch. Yeah, I had to watch him for the movie. Edward Jeep, is that the Tiger Shark one? With I think it book? is. Yeah, because that was another thing I cut out. There was like an interesting, he does remind me of Quint so much. And that was like another thing I had to hit the, hit the floor. But yeah, those movies they were tough to watch. I'm not going to lie. I didn't mind that much of Umu, Umu, the Shark God. And then what was the other one I liked? I somewhat enjoyed the Treasure Hunt movies like Underwater and September Storm. They were all right. I will never rewatch them again. It was homework, so I had to watch them all. But yeah, I'm with you. The earlier ones, they, I'm never going to really go back and, and revisit them. I don't think it's just a different time period. And certain generations won't watch 90s movies anymore. So I guess that's me with 1930s and 40s. They're not my thing. We talked about the marine biologist, but you have other amazing interviews in here. Who were some of the ones that you were happiest to get? Mario Van Peebles, he was tough one to get, but and then when we finally got him, nicest guy in the world, really cool. Wendy Benchley was someone I knew from the very beginning, so I was very careful how I approached her. I took my time, wrote multiple letters before I sent her the right one, because it's the heart of the story. I can't mess it up. That's like probably the top tier is Wendy Benchley for this movie, and then. We got a lot of cool people. I got to say, like Emily Zarka is in it and she's a monster expert. She's awesome. So smart. Joe Dante getting him and hanging out with him. And then him literally telling us like, why are you making this movie? What is this movie? What is this about? It was so funny. And I was trying to explain it to him, but he's just, uh, he was nice. And he did the interview and, he, and he's great. Rebecca McKendry was awesome. She was really cool. Like just knew since day one, she has to be in the movie because she's a big shark fanatic she was really cool carl gottlieb tells stories like nobody's business and then joe alves was great and then i always forget that he directed the third one yeah joe alves is really cool such a cool cat man and the fact that he built that shark it's pretty yeah he's an amazing guy he was a great get he was a great guy. i was lucky with a lot of these people i got in the movie to be honest i, I lucked in with tom vitale who was the ex sci-fi channel president because he just really helped fill in that section. I, I was lucky to get a lot of these people like the 47 meters down guy was cool telling us all about making that David worth was really cool. There's a lot of him missing from the movie, but he's awesome. <laughs> he had a lot of fun making of shark attack two stories, but which was in the original cut. And then we had to eventually take it out because the movie was, which killed me. <laughs> but um yeah i can't even imagine how many cuts there were of this thing it was a passion project so for me it's like i see everything but now i feel way more relieved that people are really digging it <laughs> because trust me like i was driving my producer of josh carey and then my editor patrick crazy with stuff that i really wanted to get in there you got to squeeze this in guys i was going crazy what were some of those must-haves for you? You have to touch on Jaws. What I tried to do with Jaws is maybe take a... I tried my best. First, I wanted to do something with Jaws. Like, I wanted to tell stories that weren't already out there, but it's impossible in a way. So Jaws was a challenge of how to do it, how to keep it brief, because everyone knows about Jaws. That's why we mostly touched on Jaws with thoracophobia, fear of the water, and fear of going to the beach. And what really happened after Jaws with all the tournaments. So it was a 
very important movie. And I definitely wanted to get Piranha in there because that was a pretty big hit. And plus a huge Joe Dante fan, but it really fits in the movie. Deep Blue Sea was a must, had to have Deep Blue Sea. I just wasn't able, Rennie Harlan, I believe, doesn't live in the country anymore, so I couldn't get him, which was heartbreaking. And then it was nice to get the guy who directed Open Water. Such a nice guy and opened up and told us all these cool stories about making that movie. And the Reef guy, he's in Australia and he was nice enough to shoot his own interview. So that was really cool. A lot of these people in this movie, man, just very thankful (laughs) for them agreeing to do it. And to trust me. Yeah, everybody seems very genuine and very well-spoken, which is so nice. And the person, the gentleman that shot some of that, and I can't remember the name of the film, but the real underwater photography of the sharks, I think they were killing some of the sharks. Or the you could see the one person who used like the stun gun on the shark, which is really heartbreaking. But his stories were wonderful. Yeah, he's great. And if you've seen another movie I wanted to fit in, I could, which was The Life Aquatic with Steve Zuzu. There's a guy in that movie that's playing guitar on a boat. And that's taken from Blue Water, White Death, the guy we interviewed. He has all these music interludes. He's just do- He brought his guitar with him and started doing these little jams that's in the movie. And it's cool to see that Wes Anderson movie put that character in it, which is pretty cool. And of course, sci-fi just exploded with Sharknado and all of the shark movies after that. And you could just make a documentary just on the sci-fi movies. It must have been so tough to choose what you're even going to highlight. Yeah, that one's tough because throughout my outline, it's Deep Blue Sea is green, like Piranha is green, Great White, The Last Shark is green. I wanted to definitely touch on that. But when it comes to the sci-fi channels, I think like the two most important are Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. And Sharknado. And I believe with Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus, that's the movie that I think really broke the shark genre because before then, there was Open Water, it was in 2003. That was a serious shark movie. And then you just got a lot of those new image, new millennium movies. They were just, they were very serious. And then their last shark movie they did was Sharks in Venice. And you would think, oh, that's going to be a silly, fun movie, but it's like a dead serious movie. But then Megashark vs. Giant Octopus comes out in 2009. The moment that comes out, then you get Mega Piranha. Then you get Sharktopus. Then you're getting Dino Shark, Swamp Shark, Super Shark, Two-Headed Shark Attack, Sand Sharks. All of this is coming out before Sharknado in 2013. So like, it's insane to think like Megashark vs. Giant Octopus comes out in 2009 and then the numbers of shark movies coming out per year starts to rise a bit. And then it goes out of control when Sharknado comes out. Now you're getting like seven to nine movies a year, shark movies a year. Because you pitch this thing everywhere. And one dude told me, it was like literally sometimes pitching just to get turned down. I don't even know why people wanted to meet. This one dude's like, I don't even make these movies anymore. So I don't know if there's going to be a lot of interest in this documentary. And I was just like, all right. <laughs> you're saying they don't make these movies anymore and i said after sharknado is like seven to nine and then in 2020 2021 i think was the record i think the 17 shark movies that came out it's insane sharknado comes out in 2013 and then in 2015 12 movies 2016 12 movies 
2017, eight movies, 2018, nine movies, 20, 2019, only one shark movie, 47 meters down on cage, which I think was a great movie underrated. And then 2020 comes around nine shark movies released. And then 2021, yeah, 17 shark movies. And then 13, I believe came out last year. I am including all the micro budget and all the weird, cause they are shark movies. They count. I made that list after he told me that. So I was like, the next person that says that to me, I am going to pull out this list and I'm going to count how many movies per shark movies per year we actually got. Big kudos to you and to your editor too. I loved all the boxes with all of the same type of things going on. You break down the plots of these movies and it's like, now this happens. Now this, And seeing that repeated over and over again, that was wonderful. That was so nice to see. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I believe that was... The editor and Carrie, my producer, that helped figure that out. So, like, you do split screens. I was like, really? You could do that? And, yeah, and I love that. And that's one of the things people were complimenting, too. Yeah, that was such a good way to fit multiple. Instead of showing one scene and cutting to another scene, cut to another scene. That was a great way to, yeah, props to them for figuring that out. That was great. I can't remember if it's what I have on VHS as Jaws 5 Cruel Jaws, or if it's another one, but it's the knockoff, the one that is beat for beat. Jaws 1 and Jaws 2 mixed together. You have the right title, Jaws 5. That's what it was also called. Jaws 5 Cruel Jaws, I think it was. That was I bought it like a Thailand disc of it, and that was on the cover. And yeah, you know what's also crazy about Cruel Jaws? Not only is it taking scenes, like you just said, from us too and then using all the shark footage from great white but when i was re-listening audiobook of peter benchley's jaws and then i just started noticing there's scenes in peter benchley's book that they just put in cruel jaws they just filmed the scenes like there's this scene in jaws where in the book jaws where these tourists come into town just because they want to see the shark or they want to see the shark attack someone. And they had this long scene with Sheriff Brody, who was trying to look over the ocean with them about it. And they brought their kids. Where's the shark? We want to see the shark. That's in Cruel Jaws. They shot that scene from Peter Benchley's book, practically. And I think even the scientist, the way he's talking, there's like lines almost exactly from Peter Benchley's book. So man, they really did their homework, <laughs> their Jaws homework with that movie. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the Meg because my wife loves these movies. When I found out that there was Deep Blue Sea 2 and 3, I had to get copies for her. She loves the Meg. She's seen it so many times. I was just about to pre-buy tickets for the Meg 2 coming out because I know we're going to go see it. So I think what I was telling you via social media, like super excited to watch this movie with my wife because she loves shark exploitation, and I'm surprised she wasn't there like writing out titles. <laughs> Meg is a fun one. My cinematographer hooked me up with a screening of it a year before it came out. I really wish I could remember more stuff that happened in that version because I remember it being a little bit darker. They had to do make this nice, crowd pleasing movie to make sure it's going to make enough money to do the sequel. Because I don't watch trailers, but what I'm hearing, the sequel sounds like. It's going to go a little bit harder than the first movie, even though it's still PG-13. But there wasn't a lot of casualties in the first Meg. The Chinese posters for the Meg 2 are awesome. Maybe you want to look up look them up after you see the movie so you don't get things spoiled. But Chinese posters for the Meg 2 are incredible. 
<laughs> they are just incredible. You mentioned the novelization project. How is that going? It's going. It's all out of the director's pocket. So that's why it's taking a little bit of time. And it's also when he has free time, we can shoot extra interviews and editing. It's a beast also. But it's been going good. We got a lot of really cool people in it. A lot of cool authors. Are you still working on the podcast? We just went up last week. It was three people zero episodes. So now we're back. We had to take some time off. But yep, we're back. And then we're going to be doing the Meg for the rest of August because that's such a, you probably know, and that shit was supposed to come out in the 90s. So that has a long history of trying to get made. Different studios started off with Disney and then went to New Line Cinema. And now we got this version, as you said, like the Chinese co-production. I'm so glad to see so many people talking about shark exploitation, and I hope that the numbers are through the roof because you really deserve it. It's such a great film. I appreciate it, man. Seriously. I've been really blown away by everybody on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's like I said, I was going to step away from social media because I thought I was going to get, I don't know. So I'm happy people like it. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I'm really happy people are digging it. And yeah, and thank you. Thank you for all your support, man. It's been, Mike's always there. Hey, keep doing good work and I'll be here. <laughs> Steven, thank you so much for your time, man. This was great talking with you again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, the shark, babe, has such teeth, dear. And it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath, babe And it keeps it out of sight You know when that shark bites With his teeth, babe Scarlet billows start to spread Fancy gloves, though, wears old Maggie Heath, babe so there's never, never a trace of red Now on the sidewalk, uh, ooh, Sunday morning uh, Lies a body just oozing life And someone sneaking round the corner Could that someone be Mac the Knife? There's a tugboat down by the river, don't you know? Where a cement bag is just drooping on down. Oh, that cement is just, it's there for the weight to dare. Five will get you ten old Mackies back in town. Don't you hear about Louis Miller? He disappeared, babe. After drawing out all his hard-earned cash And now Maggie Heath spins just like a sailor Could it be our boy's done something rash? Jenny Diver, yes, Sugi Tawdry Ooh, Miss Lottie Linya and old Lucy Brown Now that Maggie 
back in town I said, Jenny Diver Whoa, Suki Tawdry Look out to Miss Lottie Lynn And old Lucy Brown Yes, that line falls on the right, babe But not that Maggie 